0: Welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories Podcast. Your home for Irish folklore, mythology and storytelling. Hello ladies and gentlemen, you are almost assuredly welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories Podcast. I am of course uh, Paulie Holly and I'm joined by the splendiferous the multifaceted uh, Mr. Nisha din How are you doing today, Nisha? I'm alive and trudging on. Trudging on. <laughs> Hanging in there. As I haven't said alive and well since 2020, and yeah. I don't
1: think I plan to ever again.
0: <laughs> Pulling pull the devil by the coattails, as we say. Uh, I, can, um, I can carry, uh, which is amazing, because it, it, it implies that the... Um, devil wears a full
1: uh, top hat and tails all the time. If there's anything to be known about the devil, it's he's a snappy dresser. That's true. That's true. And apparently loves jazz and rock music. Mm. Doesn't sound like the worst person, but anyway. Anyway, moving swiftly on. uh, We're
0: uh, uh, approaching two uh, simultaneously uh, very important dates. Uh, We're approaching... uh, Saint Bridget's Day mm. uh, which is on the same date as uh, Imbalach, uh the the Celtic uh, rite of of spring um this year in Ireland as well we get a, a, a new bank holiday yes to celebrate uh, the work of uh, I believe it is our healthcare workers and women is it
1: yeah healthcare workers and women's work generally as well alongside as okay right excellent um it would be too much to ask for a funeral government to actually just give us clear guidelines yeah exactly, exactly. About politics though yeah,
0: and well it is it is interesting as well that they they chose a, a saints feast day in this in this age of of secularism
1: yeah because i think it does go in line with even as the Irish society is becoming more secular, we're getting more interested in the old, I'm not going to go for old pagan rites, but the old traditional Irish calendar. Yeah. Like with the rise of stuff like the Puka Festival and the increased interest around Samhain and the way that the traditional way of celebrating Halloween, I think it's only natural that we begin looking at the other cross-quarter festivals again. And if anything, secularizing them to make them just part of the national character.
0: Uh, when I think of of Imbolc, I always think of the kind of the, the Trinity, Knot, the, yeah. the the triune goddess, the um, uh, the Ancalch Bera, mm. the, the Hag of Winter, uh, the Hag of Bera, just uh, finding her youth once again yeah. and and stepping out into um, into the spring. So it always reminds me of the
1: Triscallion, the Trinity knot, and the yeah. the idea of the triple goddess. For me, I always, whenever Imbolg will come around for us, we used to get out the Bridget or the Bridey, and it was we had, it was a doll made from wax, uh, wax hay, and various felt for the hair. Right. And each year we tie ribbons around the bri- the bri- Bridget, and then bri- leave her behind outside. I think it was on the right hand of the fireplace for Imbolg. Right. And then we'd have the bowed. A big, massive wooden stick on oh, the other side, yeah. which is obviously not euphemistic at all. No, no. Um, I have no idea where they got it from. I can only hope that they got it from some sort of actual tradition, but it may be some sort of. They were very, very alive during the nineteen sixties. So.
0: Yeah, Saint Bridget's day, Um, I think we well, are taught the stories of Saint Bridget in school. Yeah. Obviously, uh, almost like she was some some kind of of superhero. Uh, obviously there's the, the the famous stories about uh, making beer out of her bath water. Yep. And her cloak expanding the to be ever expanding cloak. Yeah. Which uh was in bruges for a while.
1: <gasps> yeah, that was that the, was a weird one. Was it one of the disciples that took it there?
0: Um no, no, it was um the wife of Harold God Godwinson. Ah. Because it was brought on uh, as a relic on the English side, yeah, the old English side to the Battle of Hastings.
1: Oh, fair enough.
0: And um, uh, and obviously Harold Godmanson lost. It did not his finest hour. No, no, um, the old arrow in the eye, and so the mantle of Saint Bridget was taken by his, I think, either his daughter, yeah, yeah his daughter, or his niece, to uh to Bruges, I where know. it was a, a relic until. Um, the uh, the reformed tradition I suppose fair enough yeah and when we also have not just that story about the piece of cloth but leaving the bits of cloth out on the bush as well yeah uh, for uh, to be blessed by Saint Bridget as she flies through the air that night. I just like <laughs> is she like Santa Claus or something? Does she go and visit all of the of the bushes of Ireland <laughs> to to bless the to bless the blankets as she passes by. Oh
1: obviously. Yeah. Like now, not all like all the blankets around Ireland. She isn't quite as impressive as Santa who's got a global sphere. All she yeah. has to do is pop around the bushes in Ireland. I mean That's true,
0: just fly it's by the a tiny rows, I place. Suppose.
1: It couldn't take her more than four hours get from Head to Donegal <laughs>
0: yeah especially as the Bridget flies no and the I think as well the story of Bridget's mantle kind of gives Irish children a, health, a healthy scepticism about those in authority yeah you know it's like getting one over on the king it's like
1: I've always found that really interesting about the saints tales is so often they are fighting against author- authority figures and even that's even before the irish were conquered and therefore would have a good reason to be disrespectful towards and distrustful towards authority it seems to be just in it there from the beginning yeah so it is
0: well i suppose the church is trying to say as well we're better than your kings used to be Yeah. yeah yeah give us all of your things yeah so
1: it also makes sense with within the way the kings would have fit into the whatever we can know about the pre-Christian religion of Ireland, the kings were a deeply important part of it, one way or the other. Yeah. And they were nuts. <laughs> mental.
0: Absolutely mental. But uh, speaking about kings Ooh. and about St. Bridget, uh, we have a lovely story from our fearless leader, uh, Mr. Uh, Marco Girón. Uh, Mark is giving us a story which isn't that common, uh, in, especially in from our school days. Ah, Bridget and the Fox.
2: Bridget was always known for having this amazing connection and this bond with the animals of Ireland. And one day, a workman came to her and explained to her an awful situation that had come about with a friend of his a woodsman. You see, this woodsman had accidentally killed the King of Leinster's pet fox. He accidentally just mistook it for a, a regular wild fox and the man had been arrested for what he'd done. His wife and his children, his his family and his friends, they begged with the King to spare him and to release him, but it was no good. So the workman thought to come to Bridget and seek out her wisdom and ask her if there was any way she could maybe step in or speak up for the man. Even though Bridget loved animals she didn't agree with taking a man's life and like demanding it in return for that of a fox's. So she packed up her horse and her cart she got herself ready and she set out to go and meet with the king and stand in the court. On her journey she passed through the woods she had to get off and walk alongside her horse and she prayed that Maybe the right words, you know, a way to soothe the kin and make him see sense would help save the life of the woodsman. Suddenly on the road in front of her, Bridget saw this cheeky little fox peeping shyly out from behind a tree. And as soon as she saw the fox, she had an idea. She stopped. And she called the fox to her. And as she got back up into her seat in the cart, the fox immediately sprang up beside her and nuzzled itself down into her lap in the folds of her robes. Bridget stroked and soothed the fox as they drove along, with the fox licking her hand and looking up at her with their big brown eyes. When Bridget finally reached the king's castle, she got down off her cart. And she walked along to the king's castle, with the fox in tow, just trotting along beside her. But when she came across the king, he was still in a fit of rage. Nothing, he told her angrily, nothing in the world could make up for the loss of my beloved fox. Death is too good for this idiot who killed him. He must die as a warning to others, so let him die. The king continued on in a rage, saying that it was no use trying to beg for mercy for this man, that the fox had been his companion and his friend and had done no harm to anyone. Clearly no one understood how much this king loved the fox. He cared for him since the day that he was born. But then the king met Bridget's gaze. His own rage met when her eyes were filled with nothing but sympathy and love. You see, she did understand. She was truly sorry for the loss of his beloved fox, and she loved all animals, especially little foxes. She pointed out the foxes with her, called it forward, and introduced this new pet to the king. The king forgot his anger. Everyone looked on, his whole household looked on, delighted while Bridget proceeded to make the fox do all sorts of clever tricks. It obeyed her voice and it tried so hard to please her that the onlookers were delighted. Soon she was surrounded by smiling, laughing faces and the king told her that his own little fox could do tricks. They weren't that different. He used to make the fox jump through hoops higher than the fox's own body. Soak Bridget's. When the king's fox wanted to eat from his hand, he would feed him and the fox would be so gentle, using its paws and nudging him. But Bridget's fox could do the same thing. When his mood was completely changed, Bridget offered her fox to the king in exchange for the prisoner's life. The king agreed and even promised Bridget that he would not inflict any more kinds of punishments like this on these, these workmen whose misdeeds he would soon forget. Bridget was so happy when the prisoner was returned to his wife and his family and she went back to her monastery. However, the little fox missed Bridget and became restless and unhappy. It didn't understand why she'd left him there and gone off. Bridget led him to the castle without warning. She'd left him there and the fox felt like a prisoner. After a while, the king went off about his kingly duties, travelling the land, and no one else was really bothered with the new pet. The fox waited for its chance, and soon, one day, when a door was open, it made its escape back to the woods. And when the king returned, there was so much commotion that the fox was missing. He was experiencing this loss all over again. The whole household was sent out to search for it. But when they failed to return with the fox, the king's hounds were sent to search the woods. Their noses snuffling over the ground for the fox's scent. They're barking. They're yelping. The king summoned his whole army, his horsemen and his footmen. They followed the hounds in every direction, but it was no use. For three days and nights, the land was searched. The king became melancholy overcome with sadness the anger had left him but after three days and nights as the soldiers and the search parties returned to the king afraid of what would happen disappointing him failing at their task but the king was a man of his word he kept his promise he never mistreated his people or reacted he mourned the loss of his pet for the little fox was never seen again
0: Oh, that was a great story there from, from Mark lovely tale lovely not one I've heard in a long time and uh, surprisingly for a story uh, of an Irish saint it made me feel all warm and fuzzy yeah. inside yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I'm used to the stories like the Bwila Sufna or the the story of uh, Column Kill, obviously, in the, the first case of plagiarism. Yeah. So it is nice it's to have... Barely
1: a, any murder or mutilation at all. Didn't yeah. even feel Irish.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there was no <laughs> magic <laughs> stoats or otters for a change. Ah,
1: uh, there's a bit of a magic fox though, so... That's true.
0: Pretty, the fox was a bit magic.
1: Got to always appreciate when foxes show up in Irish tales. They're always such uh, fun characters. And or on Madra yeah. yeah. Um, I think we're
0: obviously not as, as heavily as in uh, Japanese folklore, mm. but we do have a healthy idea of uh, foxes, fox folklore.
1: Yeah. But like, uh, the thing I like about, a lot of the animal folklore in Ireland is they didn't have like an anthropomorphic counterpart we just imbued the creature with a certain personality I think it's one one of the books we sell in the shop and Ireland's animals goes into beautifully about that idea that having this these folk beliefs about the animals colours them and makes you care about them more because you see a fox raiding your bin it's a nuisance but if you think he's an old trickster you're seeing him go with the bin as part of his M.O. if anything you get a little oh there he is the old trickster fox up to it again.
0: Well, if you're a farmer as well, you're probably thinking, well, he's going to keep the mice and the rats down, isn't he, for me.
1: These days, it's come a long way. Uh, like, Because like, yeah, we've got uh, fox den down in the land in Wicklow. Right. And we very, like, jealously guarded because there was one back e- about 10 years ago when we, I was going to say, first got the land, got the land. Much lower than that because I'm an old man now. But, we had, a there was a fox den on it for years, and the local farm, the farmer next door to the land kept trying to sneak in to get rid of it. And oh, one, of the yeah. year, one of the years, when we were away for a while in the winter, came back and found the fox den that was gone. But the, he has now moved on, so there's different people owning the land next door to us, and right. they're like, oh no, Grant, have the fox. Because I think they're finally coming around to the idea that they're an important part of the ecosystem. Yeah. And having them there, as you say, keeps the mice under control. Keeps the very important. Keeps the rabbits under control. Yes. <laughs> and if you don't, then they will breed and breed and breed. So I got that thinking about introducing the lynx back into the yeah, which is a bit mental. Uh when they
0: reintroduced the golden eagle to Kerry, there was a lot of opposition. Oh, it. I
1: can't remember what the Healy Rays said, but I can't think they would have been a fan.
0: No, no, it was uh, the farmers believed that eagles would prey on the lambs. Which was bizarre because uh, they said that an eagle really would go for something a lot less
1: that, that easier to carry. A lot, yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of weight on a lamb. Yeah, and speaking of lambs, it brings us nicely back into park at Saint Bridget, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was because like, it's one of the things that I find interesting about the cross quarter feasts is that they're all associated with the agricultural cycle of the year. Yeah and that this was the time when lambs would, it was lambing season so you had the fresh ewe milk for the first time and that was the sign spring was coming back like especially with before you would have the date fixed to a calendar date you'd have a the first sign that you were entering in Bog would have been oh the ewes of give of birth lambs and they're lactating
0: yeah and it's it's interesting as well because um, people sometimes ask us on the tours you know um, are the ley lines uh, hooked up to the stars, yeah. and you're trying to explain that when you're when you're a, a cattle herding um, people mm. or a cattle herding tribe and a sheep herding tribe, the stars aren't actually that interesting to you. No, the sun sure and there's plenty of uh, because the the solstice and the and the equinox will mm. tell you when it's time to move the cattle either closer or farther away to what you live. And that's a big deal. You know, when your your little cranoga, your little hut, whatever, is surrounded by large amounts of cattle for for a certain part of the year, A, there's the smell, Mm -hmm. and B, there's all of the pests that come along with that. So it's going to be, it really is going to be, when you can move the cattle back out into pasture, it is really
1: going to be a special time for you because you're
0: like, Suddenly, things are a bit cleaner mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah it's a, it is an interesting. I think you make the point on your tour quite often of that, whereas a lot of older cultures looked to the went looked to the sky to find their gods. The arch yeah. looked down no yeah. the she went to a day were in the barrows of the earth oh. where whereas like you're that just you're tied to the land, pastoralists yeah. right up till was it was it 1800s when we stopped practicing bullying was it uh
0: something like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I couldn't put I'm useless with with dates to be honest with you I
1: think it was one one of the main things keeping me from being a historian Uh, love history can't remember the exact dates at all no no. Um, but it's nice to see good as you're saying saint story about Bridget because when Bridget's involved usually it is actually a bit lighter and a bit happier than when you've got some of the more draconian male saints yeah but at the same time Mark has a, a
0: great talent for for Kind of uh, highlighting how uh, fearful it would be, you know. Yeah. The kind of the voice of the the voice he uses for the king, the performance of mm. of the king really gets gives you the sense of oh, this was these were the kings were people who literally had the power of life and death over mm. everyone. Yeah. You know, so it is. I thought that was very, uh, very well put across, uh, and it was only that. Uh, the monasteries, which is were holding the kings to account, because yes. you know, obviously the monasteries had to be held into account every now and then as mm-hmm. well. <laughs> but when figures like Bridget come along, who everyone is in agreement, this is actually quite a virtuous person. Yeah. Yeah, you're
1: you're quite. Um, it's rare enough that she's horrible in a story, and even rare. when she is, she usually has quite a good justification yeah. for it. Yeah. Whereas half the time, even someone who like I'm quite fond of Saint yeah. Kevin, yeah. he's lovely. Like the tale about him with the blackbirds nesting in his beard and him not moving them for fear that the mother would reject yeah. them. Lovely. Next minute, he's kicking a princess out of his out yeah. of his bed onto a lake.
0: Yeah. Ah uh, no. Uh, there is one of my favorite bridges stories is about the guy who gave her the last right. Oh yeah. Uh, I think it was cook or something like that. Uh, where he encased his the arm that had touched her in her last moments in yeah. silver, so it would never ever touch anything ever again.
1: Oh, that's a lovely one.
0: Yeah, so he he basically carried around a big silver box on his arm for um, yeah. for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> as you do, <laughs> and uh, there's other things I quite like as well. The idea for being born on a threshold. Yeah. Now, the thresholds are very powerful places for, for, most, um, for most pagan
1: cultures, actually. It's, it's, it occurs time and time again. Just liminal spaces and liminal times are yeah. deeply important when you're... Because it, it's part of the folkloric worldview. Yeah. Like, boundaries of betwixt and between are deeply important, even if it's, if it's mm. territory, if it's your house versus the outside. Yeah. And obviously, those transition points are going to be the most important of all, because it's when there's possibility. So
0: it is. Uh, that's like the horseshoe over the door. Yeah. Again, to give luck to people coming in, or to keep the fairies out, whichever way you want to see it. Um. But yeah, and her being in the in between moment of pagan Ireland and.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even her name itself because we have we haven't really <laughs> mentioned it. Yeah. Whether she's a goddess, whether she existed historically or not, um, don't actually know. How important that is. I don't think it does matter because I because I've I've always gone for the more middle line of chances are if she did exist she probably would have been named for the pagan goddess if she did if uh, most likely because her father was meant to be one of the uh, pagan chieftain yeah and even then even if she didn't if, if she doesn't exist it does not matter at all if it does exist then. Yes, she's going to draw in aspects of the older belief as time goes by. But the important thing is the way the people viewed her and the way that her wor- worship, for want of be a better word, would have been used mm. and carried on. Like, I love the fact that they have relit the flame down in her. Oh, in the just bed, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that they, yeah, but they've got a multi-denominational, uh, and I mean not just multiple Christian denominations, they've got, got Celtic-flavoured Wiccans, they've got Celtic Reconstruction Polytheists. Yeah a whole it's just a, a rather open and even got secular people who just like St. Bridget they are tending and watching the flame to this day which yeah. I think is lovely and if you get
0: what was it the story if you got down into it your manhood a man, if a
1: man, man got yeah.
0: his manhood would wither it would shrivel up
1: wither and shrivel away
0: yeah yeah but it also That's gives a sense <laughs> it also gives the sense of a kind of a a Celtic Christianity that is um I suppose more open than it would later become. Yeah, I think
1: yeah. I think that's one of the important things about the early church. Like I kind of flippantly talk about it on the tour that like Jesus was always seen as great for the immortal soul, but uh. we knew the fairies controlled the harvest. So <laughs> we had to continue on alongside for a long time for practical reasons and because it was so entrenched. You're not that's not going to be your first target. Your first gar- target is going to be the most thi- things that are most offensive to your to the yeah. Christian sensibilities and anything you can kind of get away with going, ah, it's fine. We'll deal with that in a few hundred years or a few yeah. Vaticans later.
0: Yeah. But it's interesting that uh, when the Roman Church was illegal in Ireland, that mm. how much of it uh, just spontaneously came back. You yeah. know the celebrating around the around the wells and the kind of syncretic mixture of mm. all of the different uh, folk beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I think I think is part of the reason why the Irish became so afraid of the the fairy forts and fairy hills, mm. When the Roman Church returned. They probably made it their business to make sure everyone was terrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the famously she is um quite a giving soul. Uh, Saint Brigid as well, uh, dangerously so for her father. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, the butter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just kept giving away all of his things anytime anyone came to ask for anything. Yeah. Then, through the power of God, it was still miraculously restored, so she wouldn't be punished.
0: I quite like the one as well where she he, he goes into uh, the guy's fort to her her range her marriage. Oh yeah, yeah. And tells her that she's too difficult, so she should stay outside but not to do anything while she's outside there mm-hmm. and she just picks up his sword and gives it away to the first beggar walking past yeah and a sword like a king's sword in yeah. uh, in medieval ireland is the is the equivalent of you know private jet yeah yeah Just to just to just give it away yeah. um was was uh, was quite fun
1: I think she has that, she has a bit of devilment, especially in her earlier stories. Oh, yeah,
0: the um, because she doesn't want to marry, yeah, ripping the eye out of her head. Would you, will you still marry me now? Yeah, 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 <laughs> and then miraculously, the it... eye grows back,
1: oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but the liminal space of things'll we'll be thinking about these St. Bridget's crosses again because now mm. is the time because now is the time of year to be remaking the Bridget's cross and quite like the horseshoe it's meant to be a protective symbol.
0: yeah particularly against uh, thunder and lightning. yeah that's important when you have a thatch roof yeah yeah and
1: thatch was the main roof in Ireland for oh, for a very long, long time, time. Yeah. 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 yeah I saw do, do you remember do you, have you ever heard that anecdote? I think it was Kevin Danna here? Was going around collecting uh, folklore and superstitions. I think it was out West, and he was asking someone about say, the Saint Bridget's crosses. And it was just around bulk time, so he'd been he'd been shaking all the previous year's ones out of the rafters of the barn, mm-hmm. and he was tossing up the new ones into the rafters. And Kevin had been like gathering stuff about these. So was like, oh, oh, do you know about them? They're really interesting. Like most people think they're like a variation of the Christian cross, but it's actually an ancient pagan symbol. Predates Christianity's arrival in Ireland. And there's right. Kevin innocently sharing it, fascinating, like just fascinated by it. And the farmer's just nodding along, nodding along. Yeah. And eventually Kevin's leaving and he turns back and he sees the farmer going up around the rafters, picking all the St. Bridget's crosses out. Because oh, he was no. horrified. No. Uh,
0: so uh, we, I guess we leave you, ladies and gentlemen, with that conundrum. Yep. Uh, after such a marvelous story uh, about. Saint Bridget's powers from our cook here on, mm-hmm. and we leave you with the conundrum: How pagan was Saint Bridget? I've been Paddy Holly. I was joined by the marvelous Nisha Odin, and you were very, very good listeners.
1: Thank you all so much for listening to the National Epercoal Museum's Talking Stories podcast. Remember. The best way to support us is by liking, subscribing, or sharing with a friend.